0: What does the average week look like for you? Sure, it may start with church on a Sunday morning, but by Monday morning, can any of us remember what the sermon was about? We spend so much of our lives doing so many things, transporting our kids around, spending too many hours in the office, trying to find time to spend with our spouse. But most of what we do related to our faith is crammed into about 80 minutes on a Sunday morning. Did you know that in a week, there are 10,080 minutes? If we're spending 80 of those related to our faith, what are we doing with the other 10,000? That's what this podcast is all about. Hey everybody, welcome to the 10,000 Podcast. We want to help you go deeper with your faith, to bring God into your 10,000 minutes, to bring God not just from church on a Sunday morning, but into your everyday life. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast, that you're joining us week after week. My name is Sawyer Trapp. I'm our student ministries pastor here at Stapleton Church. Um, It's just me today because we're starting something special. Um, So as many of you know, if you joined us on this Sunday or watched our um, video or podcast of the sermon, we started our God and Science series, which is diving into the relationship between God and science, faith and science, looking at if they are actually at war or if they could be allies. So if you haven't heard that sermon, I do encourage you to go listen to it either on our podcast, Stapleton Church podcast. Or on our YouTube page, you can access both of those by going to stapletonchurch.com media. But if you have listened to it, you're really in for a treat. Over the next um, couple weeks on the podcast, we'll be playing a recording of the question and answer time with scientists in our church. So if you were at our night service, you got to enjoy a wonderful question and answer time with Ryan Peterson. Now, Ryan Peterson is a biostatician somebody who looks at the relationship between biology and statistics. And we got into a very interesting discussion about Ryan's faith, his wrestling and doubts, and how he personally reconciles the relationship between God and science. I'm so excited for you to hear this question and answer time. So without further ado, here's Ryan Peterson.
1: Okay, Ryan. So um, you recently moved here to Denver. Um, you've been coming from a few months. So could you tell a little bit where you moved from and you know where you studied before becoming a professor?
2: Yeah. So um, I went to undergrad at Saint Olaf College in Minnesota. I studied economics and statistics, and then I uh, decided I really enjoyed statistics. Uh, like I guess I said in the video, um, I think it's a really good way to learn more about our world. And so I went to grad school in biostatistics at the University of Iowa where I um, spent five years to get my Ph.D., uh, and now uh, I've been here for like five months as an assistant professor. So, Okay, thanks, Ryan. So we
1: had uh, two questions come in earlier today, so we'll start with those, and then Sawyer's going to pass the mic. So if you have a question, raise your hand, and Sawyer will come over. Uh, Is that how you want to do it, Sawyer? Does that sound good? Okay, so the first question question—it's a tough one. Why do so many atheists discredit faith when they acknowledge that science cannot answer every question?
2: Okay, that is a very good question, Um, and I definitely can't speak for all atheists, Um, (laughs) uh, probably not even many of them. But as far as my experience goes, I think I've generally met like two camps. Uh, One camp is are are people who are, are painting a pretty broad brush with that, with discrediting faith. Um, and they're, they're kind of saying uh, maybe if you replace the word with faith with blind faith I actually would agree with that hmm. I think um, if, if people have blind faith in anything that can be a little bit dangerous um, and I think as Christians we're not called to have blind faith as you said in the sermon we're supposed to constantly constantly be learning new things about God about and using our mind when we're doing that um, and we're instead of having blind faith, we're called to have faith with our eyes wide open, constantly seeking new information about God. And so I guess that would be the first thing I would say, um, is blind faith, yeah, it does have a lot of problems, absolutely. Um, and then the other camp I would say are people who grew up in the church and maybe don't believe and lost their faith at some point. I do know a lot of people in that camp, um, in my profession especially, uh, and I think... Honestly, I think it's the same thing. I think they had faith in a God that wasn't exactly their understanding of that God wasn't exactly true, but they had like maybe 100% certain in this God, and they thought that God was going to act a certain way in this particular time, and then they didn't. God didn't act in that way, and so that kind of when you have that kind of full 100% belief in something, and then it's not true, that can really I think, take the rug out from under you. And honestly, I think that's how a lot of people do lose their faith. And so, um, yeah, I think, I think blind faith is a pretty big culprit there.
1: Sure, that's good. Okay, the second question. <clears throat> I think I cut off, so I'm going to interpret. <laughs> Hopefully I interpret it right. If it was you, you can raise your hand and yell at me. So talking about my message that I talked about how humans are interpreting both books, nature and the Bible, how do we ever make a decision then if we are always th- seeing, and I'm going to try to figure out what they want to conclude through with. A through a human interpretation. That was your question. Thank you, Leah. <laughs> so if we just have this human interpretation, how can we ever move forward?
2: Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's definitely difficult, I think, just because we have uncertainty in, in our beliefs. I mean, I, I definitely have uncertainty in some of my beliefs, a lot of them. Um, but I think just because there is, that uncertainty exists doesn't mean it has to paralyze us in our decisions. I mean, uh, scientists do have to make decisions in the presence of uncertainty. And uh, to quote, I guess, Getty Lee, for any Rush fans, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. So there's really no avoiding having to make decisions. Um, but yeah, so, so I, I do think that, um, that uncertainty is kind of, it's tied with this, the idea of discernment. Um, and I think I, I, I want to be careful here because it might sound like I'm saying everyone should question all of their beliefs all the time. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that if you have a belief, it's okay to ask questions about it. Uh, actually, I would encourage it. If it's, and if your belief is grounded in truth, uh, how do we know, right, if our beliefs are grounded in truth? Well, I think if your belief is grounded in truth, then it will cause you to become more wondrous about that belief. It'll, be, it'll cause you to be curious and you'll want to ask more questions about it um, just because that I guess that's one of my beliefs. But um, <laughs> uh, I also if, if the belief that you have is grounded, maybe not in truth and falsehoods, I think that will cause you to doubt. And it's OK to ask those questions too. that kind of walking that line is discernment. Hmm.
1: That's good. I, I like that you quote Rush. I don't know if you knew this, but Ryan's been playing bass a couple times up here. Rush. It's a good man. Good man. That's great. Good. <laughs> Um, okay, so I'm going to kind of open up the floor now. If you have a question for Ryan, or if it's something for me, if it's something for the weeks in coming, we might write it down and save it. But if you guys have a question, just raise your hand right now. Anybody have a question? got one right here in the back.
3: Actually come up to me and ask why... I believe that we were created, or the earth was created, in one day. And my only response could be a day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day unto God. What would you say? What's a better answer?
2: That is a good question. Do you want to start that one? Um, I, I'm not an evolutionary biologist, so I might. I'm have a to geologist. Say, yeah. Or a geologist. I um, might... Do you
1: want to tackle that one? We are going
2: to hit that straight
1: on next week.
2: If yeah. you come back next year. Um, <laughs> so i i like to i guess think about uh in the past it's really hard to know anything uh, about specific things that happened in the past um, I mean we try to do that with history uh, and it's 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 tough because you have to put together a lot of primary sources, and a lot of historians will constantly use like talk about um what happened at a given time, it's in, in terms of what's most likely to have happened, given all of the primary source data and all of this stuff. And as a statistician, whenever I hear the phrase most likely, I get a little bit, well, something goes off, because if you use it a lot, then it might not be true. Because <laughs> yeah, if, if you keep saying this word probably, oh, this person was probably like this because they wrote like this, um, and then they were most likely like this, well, okay, there's way too much uncertainty there at, at this point. And so anything in the past really is shrouded <laughs> in uncertainty. Um, and I, I don't really claim to know how things started, but I don't I don't know. I, I think it's okay not to know.
1: It's <laughs> good. Thanks, Ryan. Any other questions from the audience tonight? Bold one, okay, right up here yep. in the front. We got right? Jess. Jess in the, the back. back and then Catherine up in okay. front next. Thanks, Florida.
3: So isn't spirituality a form of science? Because if God has a plan and you go through some trials in your life and then later you get to help people through their trials, isn't that part of science? Of We have a scientific method. We see something happens. We create a law. And we say, oh, now there's gravity.
2: <laughs> Does that make sense Ryan? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, so I think... Okay, let me think about this. <laughs> uh, I, I think what you're talking about is
1: what you're defining science as. If it's knowledge that we can learn from as a very broad
2: term, like interpreting the word science as knowledge, I think you're probably right, Jess. Yeah, I guess when I think of science, I think of the scientific method more so, and like setting up an experiment, um, and or, or just observe. Uh, it's things that can be... Um, can be measured over time and repeated experiments that can be repeated. That's the best. That's what, the scientific method, at least. And I don't. I don't know if I've ever applied that to my spirituality. And I don't. I feel a little bit uncomfortable doing that, um, I, because honestly, it feels like a little bit like I'd be um, testing God. And I don't. I don't like to put myself in that position.
1: Okay. Any other questions? Oh, Catherine, we have Catherine up here.
2: Um.
3: So. Uh, with different reproductive technology and CRISPR and gene editing, I feel like a lot of times people are accused of playing God. Do you think that there's a point where we're not supposed to be moving forward in that? Where we're like, if that's the building, if that's the language of God in our DNA, like, is there a point where we should not be trying to push that?
2: That is a really, really big question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't claim to know that <laughs> answer. <laughs>
1: that's a. Uh, ki- I think one of the most fascinating things in any language that you hear, it's always saying plain God. Atheists will say, oh, are we playing God? I'm like, why do you care? You know? <laughs> so that's just a fascinating observation I've, I've noticed. They always talk about plain God. Um, I mean, I do think
2: there is a definite sense that we need to be incredibly careful with doing it. Um, and I think a lot of people should... Be a part of this conversation. Theolog- theologists should be part of the conversation. Ethicists, um, and I think that is going to be the big question of our or this this generation. Essentially, is well, how do we handle that situation? If we can cure like a really bad disease using that technology um, for good, is that okay? And I, I don't know, <laughs> but <laughs> I think should, it's worth talking about. You should
1: ask that question again when Dr. Grotheis is here because he's a professor of philosophy and ethics. That'll be week four.
3: Okay, I think. Yeah.
0: So you, talk, so you talked about studying uncertainties. Yep. As a Christian, we do have uncertainties, but what is a Christian, always certain of?
1: So let's re let's re say that um, for the uh, sure. recording. It it might just be in a dead spot right there. We have some dead spots. You want me to repeat? Yeah, could you repeat that? So you talked about the science of uncertainty.
0: And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. Um, And you said as a Christian, there are uncertainties. But are there certainties that we
1: have as kind of a minimum core as believers?
2: Uh, I have some, yeah. Um, I definitely have some things that... Or some ways, God has revealed Himself to me that is really hard to communicate to others, um, and I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's a universal thing um, that I can say I believe in uh, uh, that every, everyone else will also believe that thing that who's also a Christian. But God has definitely revealed Himself in my life in ways that um, have made me certain about that the fact that He um, cares deeply about me and my life. So. Yeah, there are certainties, but there are also a lot of uncertainties, especially when it comes to about my understanding about God. Uh, I feel like it changes week by week, um, and I think that's okay. Like, I am uncertain about a lot of who God is, and I think that's still okay. Um, I, I do believe that Jesus came down, and Jesus was God, um, because I've had a relationship with him. Um, it's hard to communicate that in like an apologetic way to someone who might be an atheist, other than the fact that it is a very personal uh, experience for me.
1: Any other questions? I have one, if I can jump in. So in this book that I was talking about, Francis Collins, the geneticist, says, is mathematics, this is a quote from him, is mathematics along with DNA another language of God? So my question to you is, do you believe that math points us to God, and if so, how? How?
2: Yeah, I think that's a really. I've always thought about um, math as kind of this interesting entity because it's a universal language. Everyone in the world, no matter what language they speak, can agree on fundamental principles of math. That it'll resonate with everybody. It'll resonate if aliens do this, it'll resonate with them too. Um, and I think it, it almost goes beyond. Uh, it, it's different than genetic or DNA. It's a different language because it's not just for life. Uh, it's not just for living organisms. I think. Uh, even if humans, even if life didn't exist, a circle—the area of a circle would be pi r squared. <laughs> like, it's—it's it's, so it's a different way. It's a different language because it even transcends life itself. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it, it could be thought of that way. It's a cool object. It's a cool way of kind of um, discovering objective truth and, communic- and communicating it across any kind of um, really all creation. Any other ones?
3: I know. I know Pastor Matt had mentioned in his sermon about a lot of the scientists are doubt the existence of God. As you, in your um, job, do you experience other professors who know that you're a Christian and kind of? Argue with you about your Christianity and try to disprove different things about that. I just I just find that fascinating. Yes,
2: yeah, that's that's another really good question. Um, I, since I'm fairly early in my career, it hasn't happened much. We'll see if maybe my colleagues see this video and <laughs> might uh, might feel differently in a little while. But um, I guess I can say throughout grad school, I've had a lot of conversations with my fellow. Um, Uh, The the people who are also in my program, um, a lot of whom were agnostic or are agnostic and or atheist, Uh, and and I think there there definitely is that idea of you know how how can you believe in this uh, this concept of God and I you know I honestly love those conversations because I do have answers I thought I've I've thought a lot about that so I do have answers and I feel like I can communicate it. Communicated in ways that people can understand relatively well uh, in terms of uncertainty because I think one thing about our belief in science that a lot of professors, you know, believe are, are people of science um, you really need to have measurable and repeatable experiments to learn stuff there and we just don't have measurable, repeat, a measurable repeatable way to learn about whether God exists or not uh, at least I haven't heard of one <laughs> and if yeah, as I said earlier, if there is a way to do it, I'd still be hesitant to do that because, like I said, I, I feel weird about testing God that way. <laughs> Thanks. Kane, do you have a question? Yeah. So, what, when you have those conversations, what are, what are the most
1: compelling answers that you've given? Like, do you know a certain theme that when you're really being pressed hard, that gets kind of a, an aha reaction from your, your colleagues in your grad school program?
2: Yeah, I guess it's kind of along those same lines of just saying, you know, hey, we don't have a good way of scientifically figuring out whether God exists. Um, and what do we do as scientists if we don't have good data going into that kind of decision whether to, to whether God exists or not? Um, and if you don't have good data, you, you are going to be uncertain. You're going to have to take a leap of faith one way or the other. Uh, I think that Kind of, at least with my colleagues, because we talk so much about data and about how how we come to uh, use data in our decisions, that actually does go a long way. Because um, it, it really makes them think, like, okay, yeah, that's true. There's, it, it's a really there's a, there is uncertainty there, and um, and like I said earlier, it's okay that there's uncertainty. You know, um, it doesn't have to paralyze us. Stephanie? Um, Oh,
3: yeah. Okay. Um, So, I don't know. Did you mention if you had always been Christian, or did you go through sort of phases? or?
2: I did not mention. um, I grew up Christian. Um, I have, as a lot of Christians, I think, have uh, gone through phases of of that where I maybe did not, uh, where where I doubted a lot. Um, I think... That's one of the things I guess I struggled with through my program a little bit is this idea of uncertainty and doubt and how that can be okay with belief because belief is talked about a lot in scripture as being very like the most important thing right belief in, in John is is the only way to salvation um, belief in Jesus and but I, I think that's still very so general and I um, the what how do I put this. Um, I think it's definitely okay in our world. It's, 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 it, I encourage it, doubt to exist. And just because we live in a very noisy world, everyone's yelling at you to believe something, essentially. And so it's good to doubt. Um, and I guess I just, I think it took a lot, some, gra- some time in grad school really devoted to just think, reconciling that idea of doubt with belief and it's okay to be uncertain because that really means your eyes are open and that's a good thing
3: yeah so i was kind of curious if when you were going through that like where um i don't know did it was it like a moment or how, how did you feel like you came back to this level of certainty where it was enough for you that like you're like okay well this is the p-value I need to believe that, you know, this is what I'm going to go with. It was not... This
2: is a physics PhD. It it was not me. It was nothing to do with what I... It wasn't an epiphany I had. It was just God working in my life. I I experienced that. And at that point, it was like, oh, okay, you you are out there. (laughs) And you are working in my life. And so... um, I do think everyone has those stories. Um, sometimes the aha moment is just figuring that out and, and realizing that God was actually working in, that, in these
1: moments. Yeah, if I can jump in. It's a story, of, I, I mean, I've shared this analogy lots of times, so if you've been here before, you've heard it. But w- with faith, it does say in the scriptures that you, it, you're saved through faith. But then Jesus also said the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. So what he's saying is, yes, you want to have more faith, but it's not the substance of your faith or the amount of faith that saves you. It's the object of your faith. Because, uh, this is the analogy, if you're falling off the Grand Canyon, falling off a cliff, and you're like, I'm going to die, and you see a branch, you're not going to say, could this branch hold me? Is it strong enough to hold my weight, especially with gravity pulling down on me? And you can tell me what the equation is for that. I don't remember from physics. Now I'm falling down. Should I grab this or not? I'm not sure if it hold me or not, so I'm just not going to. No, you're going to reach out, and you're going to grab that, tr- that branch. And, you're going to, and, and if the branch is strong enough, it doesn't matter how strong your faith is in the branch. If you just had a little bit of faith that maybe this branch could save me, it will save you if the branch is strong enough. So that's why it's more about the object you faith than necessarily the amount of faith you have. So that's why it's okay to doubt and have questions and have uncertainty. I honed in on that question a little bit, sorry. I'm a preacher.
2: Um, as a scientist, you have to be open to the revelations that science comes up with. Like Matt has said, we have moments of disproving our past discoveries. So are you, as a Christian, open to discovering that You don't believe the right thing? Yes. How how do you you sleep at night? Uh, I mean, it it makes for interesting dreams. (laughs) Anything's possible. No, I'm just kidding. Um, Am I... So do you have a specific thing you're wondering about? Like what I'm uncertain, like... Um, I mean... There, I feel like every Christian wakes up one day and they're like, wow, I don't really know if God exists. My mom died. Or, you know, those moments where it's like the, the faith-rocking moments. Um, would you be okay with deciding God doesn't have a big enough answer for my question? At one point in my life, yeah. Um, I went through that. Um, and I think I, I did I did think that um, thankfully I eventually realized that the belief I had had before that uh, about god was was off um, and I was wrong uh, I was very certain that God should act a certain way and he didn't um, and it did rock that does happen i think um but i hopefully it if as long as it um in my case, at least, it, uh, it kind of humbled me. I, it made me realize I was putting God in my own box, and kind I wanted him to act a certain way, and I couldn't understand why he wouldn't. And then I just realized, you know, I'm not master of the universe. I don't know what's best. Um, why was I expecting to... Why was I, like, throwing my own will onto God's will? Um, and it, it made me a lot more humble in that regard. Like now, I think the most important prayer that I pray is your will be done. Um, part of the Lord's Prayer, and it's, that's what's most important. If that happens, and it's, it's God's will that like I die tomorrow or something, I'm okay with that, because that's God's will.
1: It's the first rule of theology. God is God, and you are not.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Good one. But yeah, we all have to learn it, though. It's hard, hard to learn. Okay, maybe two more questions?
3: Um, I have a question on the probability of coincidences in your life. I don't know um, what comment you could make about fate and coincidences in your life. And is that 100% of God working in your life? Or... Um, are, are
2: coincidences 100
3: Yeah, yeah. You know, coincidences in your life that... Yes, you know they're God, and maybe you might know, might also think they're not really God. It's just a coincidence. You have any comment you might make
2: about Sure. That? Yeah, um, there's a really famous like statistics problem. In any, in any room, I don't know how many people are in here. Maybe I don't know. Oh, I've heard this before. Yeah. What do you think the chances are any two people in this room have the same birthday? So you're just correct. I mean, it's, it's very, very likely that two of you have the same exact birthday, just out of a matter of pure coincidence. And the reason is, uh, sure, it seems like it might be one in 365, two, maybe two in 365, because that's how many days of the year there are, but the amount, the number of comparisons we're doing is, however many people there are in here, um, choose two. So it's, it's a lot of permutations there, and... Uh, and coincidences do happen all the time, so I, I do think it's important. God does work in coincidences, absolutely. But God works in all of the experiences that you have. I think, uh, he, especially coming at it from a scientific perspective, I think God works in the in the randomness and in the noise of our everyday experience. Um, like if there is a uh, if if there is uh, science always uh, has uncertainty about a given prob- most given problems, and uh, God, I think, uh, works in the stochasticity there, the randomness. It's
1: a fancy word. <laughs> fancy word you learned in you know. Yeah, one last question, and then we'll wrap up.
3: a follow-up to what you had said earlier about it's hard to prove the existence of God because you don't want to be like testing God or whatever, but I'm from the state of Arizona, and you look at the Grand Canyon, you had mentioned your sermon, what are the arguments that some of your peers could make you know, looking at that and saying that was the Big Bang Theory produced something like that? How could they look on the beauty of the Grand Canyon and not know that there's a God? I just...
2: Uh, that's a tough question I mean, I agree It's beautiful The mountains here Every day I, I look out I mean, I'm still new here I, I don't know if this will get old But I see them And I, I want, I, I'm just amazed and, and wonder about how beautiful they are I, I do think a lot of scientists Who don't believe in God Still see beauty there um, It's, I think it, It's just a matter of helping it. Someone needs to help rec- them recognize I guess um, that it's not, I, I don't know, I, it, it's a really tough question. <laughs> um, I, I really come at it from the perspective that someone needs to have a personal relationship. God's going to be the one to, to help them discover that. I mean, we can work, um, we can be the catalyst there, but, uh, but it's God that's gonna reveal that to them.
1: This will probably jump us ahead a little bit, but I heard an evolutionary biologist that try to explain why we have that sense of wonder and awe. And, and they said, if you look at it, um, when you go up to a, a valley and look out and it's beautiful, or you stand on top of a mountain and you're just enraptured. And, and most people make this as worshipful experiences. But they said, well, actually, maybe it's because evolutionarily... In order to survive, when you were at a high point, you had a better view of all the people that could attack you or animals. So if a lion was going to come out and sneak out of the Saharan, if you were up on top of the mountain, you were safer. So therefore, that sense of wonder just got passed down evolutionarily. So I, I point that for your specific thing. is, But, but this is what people do. And I, I like to say those are like the just-so stories. You remember the just-so stories? And that's how the leopard got his spots. You know, those are the old like superstitious stories. I believe that a lot of evolutionary stories like that are very superstitious. Okay, you've made that up. You have no way to test that or prove that. That's just your idea. Then the question, I think, comes into the certainty thing. So what is the most plausible explanation? Is this a sense of wonder that this is planned and beautiful and created by God of the universe? Because that's the sense I feel, and nearly everyone on the globe feels the same way because most people are religious in our world. Or is it this bizarre thing that we cannot test or prove? Well, I mean, you've got to decide what's more plausible, I guess. You wouldn't, since we're talking about statistics, right?
0: Okay. Thank you for the good
1: question. Could everybody give a hand to Ryan? Thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening to that amazing discussion and question and answer time with Ryan Peterson. I hope you look forward to the next upcoming questions with the scientist in his next couple of weeks of the 10,000 podcast. If you have any questions before then, feel free to send them to me. Sawyer Trap, that's S-Trap, T-R-A-P-P, at stapletonchurch.com. Thanks for listening, and remember to always bring God into your 10,000. Have a great week.